Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I go. Some bad hat, Andrew. It's a cool show. Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful from you, love. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing The Handmaid's Tale Season 3. Damask Leary, how are you this evening? Oh, Good. I've just been doing placement, placement number two for uni. So teaching kids, changing minds, you know. Molding minds, That's molding it. people. Mm. Uh, how are you finding it this time around? Good, good. It's been a positive experience thus far. How are you, Broderick? I'm good. I mean, I'm just in a happy place because earlier this week we found out that Disney Plus is coming to Australia within Hallelujah. a week mm. of it coming out in the US. Not the same day, one week later. But still, November 19th, whatever it is, I I was sure we're going to be waiting six months or more or a year. You know what really excited me about that news? What's that? They're doing a Lizzie McGuire reboot. I know. Oh, my God. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves on that. We'll talk about that in an off-topic, hot-topic episode. We will. But just know, I'm fucking excited. It's... It, so it's from what I understand. Well, okay, we'll talk about it a little bit. It's from what I understand. <laughs> it's a sequel series about mm-hmm. her in New York. Is that right? Yes. Do we know? Are we going to see some of our friends from like the Lizzie McGuire show or not? Well, like- I'm fascinated by the premise because in the original series, like Lizzie McGuire is like the lowest rung of students. Like she's down and out. She's a fucking loser. And so sure. it's all about her like kind of trying to find a way through high school while being a loser. But the what this sequel series is about is her just kind of having the best life ever in New York. So I'm like, well, where's the Lizzie I, I know and love? I want to know, are they going to bring back her little animated version they of are. herself? They are. So is this going to be like... The same. I hope it's the same with like the like platform sandals that she wears and that pink t-shirt. I hope it's exactly the same. What if it's like an American version of Fleabag? Like instead of talking to the camera, it's like we use this like... <laughs> cartoon version oh. of her as like a... Are you saying that Liz McGuire was the original Fleabag? No. I, no, I, no, that's what sure. you said. Yeah, that's what I said. And we're sticking with it. Okay, Love sure. It. <laughs> I did want to uh, bring up one thing or a couple of things actually before we get into our review today. Mm. I've been uh, making some mistakes on the podcast recently and I would How like to... dare you? I would like to make some corrections and some apologies. Number, I'll take them personally. Well, yeah. one of them in particular, you should. Mm. A little, well, oh my you gosh. should be proud of yourself. I'm so excited. Because... Not that, not that it wasn't obvious. Okay. Because it was obvious. All but right. having gone back and watched the last episode of Orange is the New Black uh-huh. alongside my girlfriend. Yeah. Boo is most definitely, definitely at the end. Yes, there. Spoilers she for is. Orange is the New Black, but boy, she's definitely there. Yeah. And I have no idea what I was doing mm. and how I did not recognize that. She's not only there, she says dialogue. 
Butcherasia is what it is, son. I don't know. I just was just. <laughs> I must have had a minor stroke or something at the Maybe. time. Who knows? I, I, so in the dying minutes of the show, I looked at Twitter and went, "This is more interesting than paying attention." Apparently, and did not recognize Boo. I recognized everybody else at that table. How dare you? But not yeah. Boo for some reason. There it is. Uh, also, I mentioned in our Glow episode. Mm. I had this conspiracy. The reason that Glow was sort of pushed to when it was, sort of mm. late June or whatever it was, early July, August, whatever it was. Was might have been because they uh, Netflix were trying to avoid the Emmy thing because we were like, oh, you know, it wasn't a great season. Maybe they don't think it's going to get nominated. Number one, everyone seems to love it more than we did. So. Way more than we did, which is yeah, <laughs> interesting, interesting and yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, but number two, it was nominated for Emmys for season two this year. So I don't know what the fuck I was talking about there. So. <laughs> Just so you know, still the most informed TV podcast on mm, the air. Always. Uh, bringing the truth. Bringing the truth, but we do want to make some corrections there. Anyway, let's get to our spoiler-free review of The Handmaid's Tale Season 3. Let me clue you in. Season in review. The Handmaid's Tale Season 3 returns us once again to Gilead, a.k.a. dystopian fundamentalist Christian America, for more fun antics like public hangings and raping and using women as baby incubators, Elizabeth Moss and her strong supporting cast are joined this season by mo- notable inclusions Ashley Lathrop and Christopher Maloney as High Commander George Winslow. The Handmaid's Tale Season 3 consists of 13 episodes, each coming in at around 49 minutes, and took us approximately 10 hours and 35 minutes to watch. In July 2019, Hula renewed the show for a fourth season, taking us one step closer to completing Bruce Miller's 10-season plan. Do you remember that? (laughs) Do I? I was listening back to the Season 2 episode we did, and I had uh, completely forgotten about that, and it terrifies me still. I read an article today about it, and I was like... Fuck off. As in, as in that article is still relevant? As he's still thinking 10 seasons? Yeah. Oh, I think he like turned it down. Well, he's prefaced it now. It's like, oh, well, we're going to do as many seasons as the story dictates. But So he's thinking 12, money 15 talks, episodes though, now. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I had a theory based on this season that mm. maybe they were trying to condense some of those ideas into one season. Yeah. Like trying to speed the process up mm. maybe. Which... Good choice. Yes. Good choice. Agreed. Uh, so, before we get started on our season three review, do you remember how we felt about the first two seasons of The Handmaid's Tale? I want to say I loved the first season. You did. Yeah, but saying loved feels wrong. You know what I mean? Because of the nature of the story. You regarded I, highly. Yes. I thought it was a, a great season of television, mm-hmm. um, a great story mm-hmm. uh, and beautifully executed mm-hmm. season two i was less than impressed by um it was it was good like comparatively to a lot of tv out there but it was certainly less than season one which i thought was a perfect season of television do you remember what it was about season two that was getting you down it's been a while it has been quite i can a happily while. to refresh you i think for i'm just talking shit here but i like it felt it had less purpose, less direction, a bit more scattered. June storyline was very frustrating. Are you going to correct me? No, that's that's true too. But mm. I think the main thing for you was you just felt like the like the dourness was always there, but mm. it was more oppressively like gotcha. yeah. dour and just like it was every episode was just watching more misery mm-hmm. and more torture and like th- it, without maybe the hopefulness of the humanity the first season had. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think, the your biggest criticism. Off. Yeah. And so I was a little bit different because I didn't do 
the first season alongside you and Lauren, yeah. uh, who had been doing these podcasts with us uh, at the time, or just for The Handmaid's Tale, but isn't here today. Mm-hmm. But she also I, did Glow with me season one. Correct. Yep. She, oh, you guys watched them separately. I watched them together. Right. So I sort of melded the two in my head mm. a little bit, didn't have the separation that you guys had, but uh, I agreed the first season was better than the second one. Yep. So with that in mind, can you please give us your spoiler-free review of The Handmaid's Tale Season 3? Gladly, under his eye. Handmaid's is not an easy show to watch, and this season is no different. Trauma abounds, frustrating storylines are strewn about, and progress feels stilted until the last few episodes. The show has an unlimited amount of talented people both in front of and behind the camera. The visuals continue to be beautiful. Although the raw and breathtaking cinematography we were blessed with in the first few episodes of season one are still not quite matched. This season explores new prisms of trauma and recovery, which I really was fascinated by. But they unfortunately are often under the shadowy expanse of storylines that have long lost their luster. We go back and forth and sideways in a way that feels very frustrating to me. I enjoyed the last few episodes, but they may have been from sweet relief. I'm not sure just yet. I just watched it last night. But no, I did enjoy what we saw there, particularly in, the lo- in those last few episodes. It was a most welcome reprieve from the constant dismay of what has come before. The latter half of the season is put under the umbrella of make it worth something. And they do that. I left the season feeling relieved, feeling hopeful and somewhat empowered. And while the creators want to do another billion seasons, apparently, this season finale is a satisfying series end and that I think is where I'll leave it this show so focused on the oppression of women and the power they find within a system that tells them they have no value has you know diminishing returns with every season this is where I want to leave it this is a great series end and I think I'm out Ooh, yeah. interesting uh, certainly happy to not return to Handmaid's Tale. That's not something you want to do. Mm. I'm a little bit different. I definitely want to continue watching it after this season, but obviously we don't have to do it for the podcast anymore. Yeah. I understand that. But I agree with you that it, season that ended in a way that could be a series ending. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt I, sweet relief. I'm like, okay, I can let it go now. Sure. I, I can let it go, which I was very happy to do. Because I remember, again, listening back to season the season two episode, Lauren brought up that apparently they knew, maybe even during production of season two, that they were going to get a season three. Mm. And so that informs how you end a season. Yeah. We did not know that this was getting a fourth season until way late in its release. Mm-hmm. So they definitely didn't know that for certain. And it feels like they ended it in a way just in case it wasn't coming back. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm i a little more positive on the season than you. Mm. And first of all, I just want to um, mention just once again how beautifully shot this show is. It's just, I, I I guess I agree with you that I can't remember specifically the differences between season one versus season three. It was how it was shot. Mm. But there is a care that's put into nearly every shot that's in this Stunning show. Stunning to look at. Yeah. And I really appreciate that because very few shows on TV really take that effort. This is not the same ridiculous high budget that like Game of Thrones ha- Thrones has where it gets to throw dragons and <laughs> castles and, you know, ice zombies and stuff at you to make a shot 
epic or compelling. They just use mostly incredible framing and mm-hmm. staging and tableaus. There's a couple of times that those things are really on the nose, which we'll get to. It's like set design and costuming. Like the whole thing is just incredible to look at. Use of colour and symbolism and that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff. There is just a lot of care taken Mm. and it so easily could just be, because it's a lot of people talking in rooms, Mm. just, you know, single shot close-ups, two furs wide, get the fuck out. It really is a masterclass of like visual storytelling. And just, just... the patience and taking the time mm. to make sure yep. every shot is a painting. I really, really, really like that. There's a totally innocuous thing. I mentioned this one because it's not a spoiler. There's a shot of a gas station that I was just like, this is fucking breathtaking. <laughs> that is a beautiful fucking shot. A piece mm. of, like, just shot of scenery. It was actually a couple of shots in that sequence. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Elizabeth Moss, as usual, continues to kill it. Loving her performance. She's always bringing something to the character. She is so fascinating to watch and just see what's happening behind her eyes Mm -hmm. and see the machinations and her brain ticking over. And she goes through, as she's been doing for three seasons now, a roller coaster of emotions. She's in a different place at multiple different points of the season and can't stop watching her. Love that. I love most of the cast in this show. They're all fantastic Mm -hmm. as well. Agreed. This season was refreshing in that, without, again, giving too many spoilers, there is a slight shift in the situation. The status quo that was in season one and two has shifted slightly. Not heaps, Mm -hmm. but slightly. Yes. June is surrounded by some different people for the first time ever, really. And that was helpful. It gave us a different perspective. It gave a different view of Gilead, of Mm -hmm. what's happening inside Gilead. And that was really, really welcomed. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that this season. I also just found that one of our biggest criticisms of the second season in particular was the misery slash torture porn. Mm. And I thought it was much more restrained this season. Absolutely. Not without it. There is some in there, Mm -hmm. but it chose to not show things that it would have gladly indulged in the past. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of sequences, even early on, and then again in the later half of the season was like, I was sure they were going to show a sequence of something happening, horrible happening. And it cuts to later and was like, well done. Yes. Great choice because we didn't need to see it. We already understand enough of what's going on to know how awful that would have been. That was very, very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. There were less flashbacks this season as well, Mm -hmm. which we also talked about as being a problem in season two. We started finding that while they were helpful in season one and still were not completely unhelpful in season two. They were becoming indulgent and completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And didn't they just add. they didn't yeah. add anymore. Mm. They were just sort of going back over the same stuff. And you, I think you can still argue there's a lot of re- repetition because because the status quo in Gilead is so rigid, yeah. we do end up going over a lot of the same themes and same imagery and stuff sometimes. But we weren't just going back and showing June, improving once again that June loves Hannah. I get it. <laughs> and we didn't get any more of those a sorts of flashbacks. Love, Who would have thought? Mother's love. They used them a couple of times and they were fairly spare. Uh, well, yeah, just sparing, sparing. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that they didn't have to worry about that. Just told a progressive or kept us in Gilead or in the story as it was unfolding. And that was much mm-hmm. appreciated as well. And also, I just thought this was a better structure. I, it, I know you're saying that it felt like... Uh, maybe we were just stuck in the same place or the wheels were turning a bit until the end of the season. And I think you're right to a degree, but I also felt like there was sort of almost four mini seasons. There were like four mini arcs. So Mm -hmm. there's like these three Mm -hmm. episode 
three episodes, four arcs of three episodes each sort of thing, or approximately. Yeah. And I felt like, okay, that's a quarter of the story. Let's move on to something new. Yeah. That's a different part of the story. Mm. And that was good too, because for mm. something that goes for 13 episodes, if we just sort of were just slowly moving through one totally. story, yeah. it gets, it starts to grind. Yeah, Whereas- no, I, I totally agree with you with like the kind of, yeah, those incremental bam, bam, bam. I think like the pacing of some of those increments sure. work more effectively than others. And yeah. so like in, when you're comparing one to the other, one it's, it, to it feels glaringly like, oh my God, are we doing this again? Sure. Kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. But overall, I just felt like mm. when I'm talking about it, it felt like maybe they started to condense some of the seasons. Mm-hmm. It was like, I'm worried that maybe chunk two, for instance, right? Episodes four Official to six term, or whatever. Chunk yeah, two. Chunk two. That's how they did it in the writer's room. <laughs> chunk, chunk two, the reckoning. Yeah. <laughs> chunk two <laughs> might have been one of their like bullet points for a season, mm. but maybe somewhere on the lines have gone. Well, that would be we a terrible idea. That, we can yeah. make this happen more effectively and mm. tell it in a short way. And I was like, okay, because by the end of this season, we, some of our characters are in a place from like, that's a big shift. That's a big mm. change now. And we can start to do some different stuff with them. And that's exciting as well. So, like, overall, I was really quite positive on the season. I thought it was a massive step up from season two. Season one is still the best season mm. because it almost tells a complete story. Like, it was based on that book. It tells that book or recreates that book and that's it. You don't necessarily need more. Mm. But if we're going to get more, I'm really happy that this season um, maybe found a template mm-hmm. and found some momentum that has been missing for season two. And this is a huge step in the right direction for me. I agree with that. Cool. Yes. Uh, though I totally understand if you want to get off at this point because it is also... <laughs> but the thing is like, but that's also a testament that it was a step up. The fact that I found this, because season one, very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Season two, I was upset, didn't feel satisfied, made me go, what's the point of all this trauma? Mm-hmm. This season made me go, wow, what a complete story. I'm happy to leave. Yeah, You know right. what I mean? Like, it- it's not a negative thing when I say that I'm ready to go. I'm like, that was a st- like one, two, three... That was a great story. I'm happy sure. to leave it behind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't mean it in a negative way at all. Yeah. Like I, w- I was happy with that. Good. Excellent. Yeah. And I mm. I also just respect, even if it wasn't that got to that point where it actually was like a, it felt like a complete story. It felt like it had sort of mm. finished an arc. It's, it's, it is not a fun show to watch. No. <laughs> no, it's and not. And forcing yourself to watch it for the sake of a yeah. podcast, you know, maybe not worth your time. It's, yeah, hard. We don't need to keep doing that. Anyway, final score and ranking. Uh, mm. How would you score this season out of five stars? So, I rate this season four stars. Mm-hmm. So, season one was five. Mm-hmm. Season two was 3.5. This one's four. Which, right yeah. Yeah. I'm Fits ag- for me. Exactly the same. Yeah. I got it four stars as well. Mm-hmm. Um Excellent. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. On this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 3 of The Handmaid's Tale. Before listing any further, we recommend watching all of The Handmaid's Tale up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. So, Brad has made me, because obviously he's the patriarch of the podcast, so he's made me do this. I'm going to start the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Just for something different. Yeah, under his eye. Um, So, I in in this season, I appreciated the world building that was going on. Like, you and I love the fantasy kind of speculative fiction genre. Mm -hmm. Um, And part a huge part of that is world building. Good Lord, we love it. And so, this season for me has kind of two elements of that. Mm. One, we have the expansion of the experience in Canada, which I found very interesting. For as long as it lasted, because it was mainly the first half of the season and then it disappears. disappears, Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, So, but like on the other side of that was like, we see Washington. We see all of those elements, which I found fascinating. There are things that for me didn't work and Mm -hmm. actually made, raise more questions than they answered, I think. They made me go, hmm. Not so much. Um, But, yeah, I guess, like, what were your thoughts on the wider world that we saw of Gilead? Overall, really good. I Mm. I enjoyed going to Washington. I really enjoyed, again, if we're talking about how this show is like, just a visual treat, Mm -hmm. seeing Mm. some of that, the use of imagery and things like the Washington Memorial turned into a crucifix or... uh, the was a Lincoln Memorial and like all that sort of stuff is really well utilized. Mm. And it's sort of a reminder that this was America and that this is what America has become. And it was just eerie to see. Like when she's they're coming in on the train, I think it is, or maybe oh, they're driving yeah. in mm. and you see the Washington Memorial for the first time. And maybe it takes you a second to recognize that that's what it is. Yeah. And then you then you then it clicks and you're like, oh fuck. It did right. make me laugh though, because I'm like, already just the symbolism of the Washington Monument is so patriarchal. I'm like, let's yeah. put a like a <laughs> It's a not theological thing on top enough, of it. Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. It's already there, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, I love that. The the worry or the criticism you could lay upon it is that, oh, they've just taken what we already understand about this horrible world and taken it a step further down the road. Mm. We're just doubling down on the like misery of this a little bit, I guess. Mm. Um, but it is interesting to see like... You know, this more extreme, potentially the version of Gilead that the template, was coming down right? the road. Totally. Yeah, and I, I found that bit really fascinating. Was seeing that oh, so different regions, different mm. areas of Gilead have different expectations and standards of like turning like the the law into practice. Which mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's that. That's really fascinating kind of thing, and how. The characters that we know, obviously the Waterfords going to that system, being like 
big fish in a small pond mm. going into Washington where the rules are far stricter, mm-hmm. whether they would be like, oh, actually that's something we want to implement, whether they would be shocked by it. Just kind of seeing them interacting in that space was interesting to me, particularly in a season where I found some of the Waterford stuff not very interesting. Sure. So, th- so that kind of journey was fascinating They to had me. a good place to get to with the Waterfords, but... It's like it's, oh, we got there. It's but, just a delay ooh. along the way. Yeah, we got to like back and forth and back and back forth. up from where we yeah. were at the end of season two to then push forward again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. it was uh, a journey. Mm. But I do remember, just remember now thinking about though, like even when sh- they just first arrive, obviously there's the handmaids with like the covered the faces veils, and yeah. the and the rings through their mouth. But Ugh. even just like that red spot that like June was made to sit in mm. with the other handmaids until they were like collected. Yeah, it was just like the. The degradation and stuff that was happening there was mm. so different. But also, just thinking about this in terms of like world building, there's that scene or that series of scenes where the Waterfords are heading to Canada, right? They're mm-hmm. driving. Yeah. And they get to that like homestead where they stay the night. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, we've never really spent time with like normal people. No, because June is, uh, she takes, in season two, she takes refuge with that family. That are normal people, oh, and I can then remember it. and then because they keep her safe there, they are then executed, and she has oh, to escape. Oh, that's so right. So we we do yes, have yes, an experience yes. of the worker yes, class. Yes, I forgot. But about yes, that. we very rarely do see them. Yeah, I do remember that. Mm. Yeah, and it was interesting to spend time with them because I, we just spend so much time with like mm. uh, commanders yeah. and their wives who have handmaids. Yeah. And that is our world so much of the time that it's hard to forget that there's like, oh, yeah, there's just everyday yeah, there's people a hu- too. There's a huge populace. And I think it's sometimes hard to like reconcile with like, because the world does seem truly terrible to 99% of the population mm-hmm. who are, you know, subjugated. It's, it's fucking terrible. But then you realise that most of the population is actually just that working class yeah. kind of, you know, these are our roles. We are still had the nuclear family that we had before, you Uh know, yeah, that kind of thing. Mm. But I want to speak on, you mentioned earlier, the rings in the mouth. Yeah. Which was one of what what I was referencing when I said raised more questions than answered. Like how do they eat? How do they fucking eat? How do they eat? Can you take them out? Is that the idea that they're like like a piercing? You mm. could like remove them. But like, what is so? What was so ridiculous? And I understand if so. That instance felt like, oh, we want to have the audience experience horror mm-hmm. more than it makes sense in the actual mm-hmm. world. So Gilead's whole thing is that we are reforming the world to a wholesome kind of value system. And it looks great from the outside. So, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, we want to replicate that. Having <laughs> a slave class with very horrifying mutations, like we have inflicted serious horror onto their fucking faces, like it, it just seems counterintuitive that they would get to that level. I think the veil is enough to kind of symbolize that they are not allowed to speak. But it like so that was like the next level. And I understand not wanting the handmaids to communicate with one another. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But we have seen in previous seasons that they will happily cut out their tongues. Sure. The ring thing makes 
no sense in world to me. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it is more of a... It's a shock that they want the audience to have. It's a shock and it's also like a very heavy-handed, like symbolic version... of... Of like, you could compare it to say like in some... Uh, religions mm. that there is things like um, uh, female genital mutilation, right? Seen it in the show, yep. Right, in this show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we did too, right? We did. <laughs> sure, we did. Good point. But it's like you can't visual... Like, so it's trying to do like the, this is what's really happening and then we cover it up, mm. right? And so from the outside world, you've just got the veils. Mm-hmm. But like that doesn't represent what's actually happening here. And they talk about things like, oh, the veils are like a more like they're like a more dedicated handmaids. It's mm-hmm. like they're just more like pious or whatever it might be. Yeah. But really there's that underneath it all, it's really mm-hmm. a way of just suppressing yeah. the gender. And so it's a way of doing that. It's heavy handed. Mm. And you're right, it's totally unnecessary. Yeah. But I guess they need to find another version of that. But they could have even had that moment when June is sharing the room with that woman and wanting to speak with her and she tries to speak and she can't because she has no just tongue. Just opens her mouth and there's and no And that tongue. makes way more sense than closing yeah. her mouth, which she needs to eat. Even like if there was like a scar on her throat or something like that, just like mm. cut yeah. her vocal cords or something. And like that's what's being covered up as much as mm-hmm. anything else. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, the rings thing is pretty silly. It's it's quite silly. Mm. Yeah. It's a good point. Mm. Uh, what else did you want to talk about today? Oh, okay. So I do want to talk about the Canada stuff, mm-hmm. which was some of my favorite stuff in the show. Particularly like in the middle section, the middle chunk as we're calling it. Um, the second chunk. Yeah. The, I might even mean the, the 2.5, 3 In The chunks. transition into yeah, 3, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> there are four chunks total, just everyone knows there's four. So <laughs> while I was struggling at the beginning of this season because I found, you know, a lot of the June stuff kind of infuriating and frustrating and mm-hmm. perhaps that was the point, um, but I found great reprieve in the Emily Moira Canada refugee stuff, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, like, one, Emily's journey into Canada oh, that's was fantastic. so moving. In episode one. So moving. Like, I cried. Like, it was just, particularly, like, you know, living in a country like Australia that has a fucking appalling, appalling history of their treatment of refugees mm-hmm. that we should all be ashamed of. Um, seeing that was, like, oh, very moving. Um, and watching just this movement through trauma, the way they handle it, I think, is spectacular. I mean, I think in particular the scene when she's at the optometrist. Yeah. Better or worse. Yeah. Better or worse. Yeah. Better or worse. And it's only after that moment that she then decides to call her partner or ex-partner. I'm not sure how the character defines it, but... It was really moving stuff and really affecting. And I was very much interested in the life after while being paralleled with the life in. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was such a solid place for the show to go. Yeah. My only disappointment is Mm. that it just stopped. Me too. I agree with that. I'm really frustrated that I like get to like episode six or seven and you've got um, Moira and Emily, like, they went on, did this protest, and that was really arrested, interesting, and, yeah. like, getting involved in, like, the politics of what's mm. happening in Canada, and how are these refugees mm. and asylum. So, like, I was like, 
for me, that felt like a jumping off point to like see, well, what does Canada think about all these people mm. who are coming? Like politics at the this moment. influx of a refugee population. Exactly, right? Totally, There's a yeah. lot to discuss there mm-hmm. and a, a lot you could really dive into. And then like maybe you could argue that the season was too full anyway. Maybe you might suggest that it-, it I would- Great. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would, yeah. And so there might you might feel mm. this time because I will I was, cut down on Waterford stuff. Sure. Implant that with Canon stuff, yeah. And you there it just felt like the ball was ro- was getting rolling mm. and then it was like, oh wow, I haven't seen Emily June or Luke in oh, sorry, Emily uh Moira or Luke in like mm. three episodes, four episodes, five episodes. Oh, they're back. Yeah. Why did we stop? I well, don't understand. I mean, like, you think of the scene after the protest yeah. in which Moira and June are sitting on either side or they're in separate cages. Yeah. And women who have been carted off in cages, which you then see, like, the reality of later on in the oh, season. Wow. Actually, that was a very, very effective fu- it, um, flashback. Yeah. Fucking was. Um, but when they're on either side of the cages and um, Emily is talking about, you know, contacting her partner mm-hmm. and being like, oh, she's, you know, she wants to give me space and all that kind of stuff. And they they tell each other the the crimes in inverted commas that they have committed in mm-hmm. Gilead. And Moira's just like, well, have you killed anyone since you've been back? Emily's like, no. She's like, well, then I think we're doing all right. Like that is such a fascinating story. The the things that they have done, the things they have experienced, what how that then dictates how they move through the world that you and I live in. Like, God damn it, that's a rich story. And returning to relationships with people who have not experienced the same trauma as you, with even with the best intentions. Mm -hmm. Like, I was just getting this feeling and maybe it'll still come. Maybe I was not, I was reading this incorrectly, but it was like, I can see a version where even with all the best intentions, Emily returning to her partner wasn't going to work, but she's connecting to Moira because Moira is someone who did live Mm. through these experiences with her. It's like... I've I got, know you wanted it. No, yes, but the thing is, like, I've got these conflicting views because I'm like, oh, the two lesbian characters, because they're lesbians, shouldn't mean that they get together. But also, God damn it, they're cute, right? <laughs> and such a beautiful, like, can, oh, I, I, yes, you're right, I did want it. But also I was like, maybe I shouldn't, but I do want it, absolutely. But, yeah, but it was just starting to happen and mm. then it's, like, cut off. Yeah. I do really find the Canada stuff some of my favourite stuff in the show yeah. because it's, A, it's just... We spend we've spent three seasons entrenched in Gilead. Mm, yeah. And it's great to see how the rest of the world mm-hmm. is reacting and dealing with this. Yes. It's important and having that perspective and what happens to the people when they get out and what the rest of the world's gonna do about it mm. is the right yeah. direction for this show to go if it's gonna make progress. Yeah. And that plant like that seed was planted in season one with the Mexican delegate, right? So that's the first time sure. we see like really like a true outsider come into Gilead and you see kind of hope and like how those things interact with each other. Mm. And that was like those like moments with the Mexican delegate and June and all that kind of stuff were some of the most exciting stuff in season one. Definitely. And so to like continue that thread with a more like personal element of characters like Emily and Moira, god damn it, like that is so like that is rich stuff to kind of dive into mm-hmm. and i was i was ready for it and like just you know back to that scene in the jail when emily's like oh you know i i killed a wife i poisoned her and Moira's just like okay mm. okay and just like that simple understanding of like no judgment from me like 
that makes sense to me. Like, fucking hell, there's so much to mine there mm-hmm. that I really wanted them to. They didn't, but what I got I was great. Yeah, I agreed. just wanted more. Oh, yeah, it just it just felt like a missed opportunity. Yeah, I don't. I would love an explanation as to why you put so much effort into that first half of that season. Mm. Do not hit any sort of definable endpoint and then just stop. Yeah, it's so weird. It is. It's interesting. Um, you said you were frustrated with June this season. June's story. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I I come from it from two minds, I guess. Is so I I wonder is my f- frustration from is it bad storytelling or development or pacing, mm. or is it simply my discomfort at seeing a character who is you know so arrogant and blindly focused and who. Yeah, it's constantly arrogant and making decisions that are causing her own demise. So I'm I'm confused as whether it's bad storytelling or it's just my frustration at seeing something that is so um, like high stakes and I'm stressed about it. But like her, the decisions she makes are infuriating, particularly in the first half of the season. Her attitude. Well, okay, so here's the thing. It's like her attitude is obviously part of the story. It's, a, it's the, the, yeah. directly being commented totally. on. Yep. But also it feels like that would mean more if she wasn't encased in plot armor. Correct. That's exactly plot what I was going to use. You the know problem what I mean? is... If I, I felt like she could actually die yeah. from that fucking arrogance mm. and this kind of feeling of infallibility, mm. that would make me feel differently about it. But the fact that I know because of how the way that they've treated her in the past, the crime that she's committed, good Lord, she would be fucking on the wall season one. You know what I mean? Like it's just ridiculous. And so that plus the plot armour makes it – very hard to connect with June this season yeah. for much of the season. Not all of the season, but for much of it. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. The biggest, the hardest pill to swallow at the start of this was that after everything that happened at the end of season two, mm. how she ended up back in that house. I like, how? And to the point where it's it's not necessarily about June that's frustrating. Mm. And like there's a comment on like everything that June does affects other people. Other people are punished yeah. for her crimes, et cetera, et cetera. But mm. Janine is the voice of the people when she says, when did you get to be so selfish? Everything is always about your problems. I don't I like don't it. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, but I like to the point where I'm like, who the fuck is Fred Waterford? Like, <laughs> who is this guy? I do not understand mm. how he puts up with this shit. Like, it just doesn't make it just makes him look really dumb or something. I do not get it. But it, it it's also confusing because obviously, like, we we do get hints of the fact that he is so enamored and fascinated by the character of June. Very little this season, though. Um, yes, but like, as in, like, so in resulting, like, her crimes have been committed, yeah. leaking into this season. You can see, like, and she has the line of, like, thank you so much for saving me or whatever it is yeah. that she does. So that kind of, like, hand waves all of that stuff away. Uh, not forgivable, but that's what they do. Um, so there's that sense. But also we have seen time and time again commanders who have not had a hold on their household or have done incorrect things, who are punished in extreme ways, yeah. 
that makes me go, you haven't shown me until we like go to Washington and he really expands his career at that point. You haven't really shown me that he has enough power Mm. that he could actually do that. Now, if you told me that like a character like Lawrence, who at like when we first meet him really is that kind of figurehead, absolutely he could do that. And then obviously it diminishes as the season goes on. Mm. But the, the Fred Waterford that we have known does not have that power and so it's kind of, once again, it feels like plot armor around June, Fred and Serena. Yeah. Yeah. I did appreciate though, like she got back to the house. I'm like sitting here going, what the fuck? How is she here? <laughs> How is she still here? And my instantly alarm bells are going off. It's like, we're going to spend another season in the fucking Waterford house. Thank and they God literally Serena burns burn it, down. it to the ground. I was like, yes, good choice. Good choice that. Thank God. And then moving June in with Lawrence, mm. Commander Lawrence. Awesome for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Number one being, I love Bradley Whitford. We all do. And the more of him we get in this show, the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, He'll always be that guy in Billy, Billy Madison to me. Billy Madison or uh, for me, it's Cabin in the Woods. I haven't watched West Wing, oh, so yeah. it's not that. I have I watched West Wing him. because I grew up on Billy Madison. That's just who he is to me. But like the thing that's interesting as someone who's only a little bit familiar with him, but the work I've seen mm-hmm. I've liked, there's usually an element of wit about mm-hmm. it. There's very little wit to uh, Commander Lawrence, there's some dryness sometimes. Some, uh, he's mean spirited though. It's not. It doesn't come from a place of mirth at all. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think there's certainly wit there, but it is a different type. There it is a. It's a kind of bored, dry. Yeah. Like, but, it's but, mean. But, it's almost always mean spirited. It's never. Oh, there's, yeah. There's. There's nothing, there's no merriment. There's no Mm-mm. jovialness at all to anything he does, no. which is like, I'm not saying that's what he has to be. It was just interesting to see that just yes. to make him be, yeah, there's wit there and there's a sharpness there and intelligence there, mm. absolutely. But it's it's a different role for him, at least that I'm aware of. And I, I really thought he did a great job this season. Um, and then, yeah, moving uh, June to that household, that change of location for mm-hmm. her, the characters around her, the situation yeah. around her, Embedding her in the resistance a little bit. Mm-hmm. Thank fuck for that. That was a good choice. Hell yeah, it was. Yeah, like we needed some kind of action movement there for June. And that was yeah. the other thing. For the first time in a while, although it was stagnant at times, there was a sense of like proactiveness, which I cannot remember that happening very much at mm-hmm. all. They're, it sort of happened to June accidentally in season two where the Marthas all of a sudden are like, yeah. we're going to get your baby out. It's like, oh, what the hell? Mm-hmm. It just opened up the door to this season. But yeah, having some an action plan, particularly in those last three episodes that you're talking about, fuck, that was helpful mm-hmm. and just refreshing to get to. Um, was there anything else about June stuff? How did you feel about like, yeah, June gets away with a lot. She completely terrorizes of Matthew until... Ugh. She goes postal in the uh, Loaves and Fishes. Um, Should we talk about the character of Matthew? Yeah, let's do it. Go on. How do you feel about of Matthew? What a shame that was. Go on. So we have a character that seems to be of the faith. Yep. Um, which is complicated, right? Because every, pretty much every other handmaiden we've seen has either like been subjugated that kind of thing um or i think in season one we see one handmaiden who is grateful to be in that position because she was like a disenfranchised sex worker and she was 
and a drug addict and she was kind of this was uh, a step up for mm-hmm. her um from her perspective uh, so this is a handmaid we get who truly believes in the teachings of Gilead. Interesting, right? Mm. Good Lord, do they make her a one-dimensional villain? Um, she, While she does have qualms about Having her girl. baby, I would love the amount of tenderness and intrigue the show treats June and Emily with. Mm. I would have liked maybe an element of that in of Matthew for many reasons. Once it's just a simple, simply a different perspective of the experience of a handmaiden. Mm-hmm. Also one of the few women of color who has a voice, um, that gets to interact with June, our protagonist. Um, so it's complicated. It's also made more complicated by the fact that the way in which she is, brutalized um so one episode happens in which june through her actions gets a martha another woman of color killed Mm -hmm. when she goes to try and get her daughter through those actions that martha is killed then the next episode through june's fucking very direct actions of matthew pretty much gets killed she's then after that taken to hospital but is brain dead Mm -hmm. It feels to me as though that is the exact example of white feminism without actually commenting Commenting on on white feminism. Sure. It is a white woman who has her own problems, only cares about her own problems, and is willing to throw women of colour completely under the bus. It's It was fucking jarring to watch. I'm like, this, like... Just visually, I am seeing the this. The optics a- of it, yeah. Optics is so bad. And I am a white woman Even living in Australia with so much fucking privilege. Yeah. I am seeing that. How were the writers and the creatives on this show not fucking seeing that? It looked terrible. Really quite terrible. That's a really good point. I had not put that together i definitely noticed the that off matthew i agree with you that she could have been given a lot more time to get to know her have any sort of empathy for her mm-hmm. she just ends up being i think i even wrote in it so she just she's annoying yeah right she's like this annoying bug and june treats her that way you want june to punish her you do yeah. i mean that is again it's the arc though for june this season um, is she the whole point is that she gets to a point where she's she has to let go of this like one track mind of getting mm-hmm. Hannah back because because a it's gonna get her and many other people around her killed and you know I, what was the the line let's make it mean something I think yeah. is the line mm-hmm. which is ultimately what we get to with June is just trying to get to this place of like how do we move past the one track Hannah storyline and get her being proactive and just trying to do something yes. positive with inside Gilead get out the loop and I yeah. like where they get to with that. But you're right. That's a very I like the weird. End result. It's yeah. it's a weird how it doesn't comment on that. I suppose, I suppose the argument you can make is that within Psych Gilead, where women are the especially handmaids are mm. the ultimate second class, lowest classes mm. in any way. Yeah. What difference does it make? What color they are? But in the reality within of the, situa- the world, totally. within the world, but the reality but- of the world that we're watching this television show in, it does. <laughs> yeah. That's a very, very good point. When she's you surrounded- can write a great essay around yeah, that. When she's- <laughs> Why are we putting this in the podcast? Go and write this essay. <laughs> yeah, when she's surrounded by other handmaidens who 
predominantly, I think there's one other there's handmaiden of colour. Handmaid, I think, um, as well. But like, when we think of characters who have lines, actual sure. genuine interactions with Jane, yep. they're all white. This one handmaiden who is of colour, mm. that's her character. You kill her, you get her shot by police mm-hmm. because a yes. white woman oh has reported her yeah, good and point. we don't fucking talk about it in any kind of way. What? Dot, dot, dot. Ellipses. Mm. Yeah. What a... Not just a missed opportunity. Like, that's not a missed opportunity. Glaring oversight is Glaring what I would like to say. Glaring oversight. Yeah. yeah. Just complete lack of awareness. Mm. That's really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. But on the positive side of things, <laughs> we do get June to a more interesting place. We get her proactive. We get her doing something really positive. But though, I want to ask, mm. how did you feel about the episode? Well, yeah, the episode in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we were talking with somebody about The Handmaid's Tale. No, it wasn't with you. It was with somebody else. And they were talking about wow, it. Wow, interchangeable. Sorry, All yeah. Right. Um, it just We're usually the ones talking about TV. <laughs> and there was definitely a frustration about that episode I was noticing. How do you feel about it? Interesting. Um. I found this was the course correcting episode for me. Sure. Yeah. I was in that middle chunk. I was so frustrated. Sure. The back and forth with the Waterfords and June and this, rid- Ugh, the fucking propaganda videos that made no sense. Anyway, we can talk about that later. I love just love how um, uh, Fred is a DOP apparently. Yeah, apparently. Like, he... I, like, I just kept wondering, is he getting the overhead shot? Is he getting the <laughs> wides? Like, what's his coverage but like? But also, these people lived in a world similar to ours. Yeah. They would have an understanding of optics. They have Many of them has, have studied sociology and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, in filming those videos, what do they think people in Canada and the wider world would see watching that? A subjugated woman standing in the back or, like, hundreds of... Of handmaids kneeling before a man. Like, that looks like a place you would not send an orphan child back to. It makes no fucking sense that they would make those videos and send them. It's ridiculous. They're they're beautiful, though. (laughs) Oh, stunning. Beautiful. Stunning. Um, (laughs) Made no fucking sense. Anyway. Yes. um, So, back to the bottle episode. No, I thought that was a great... Course creating episode for June. God damn it, she was stuck in a rut. Mm-hmm. That plot was stuck in a rut. That episode fucking was what we needed to shake her the fuck out of it. Mm-hmm. Give her some purpose. Give the rest of the show some structure. Mm-hmm. That was that episode was actually a saving grace for me. I 100% agree. I got to it going, okay, this will be interesting to see how this goes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I can see why people might find the pace of it or like the... Um, claustrophobic nature of this episode, Loved the weird it. nature of this episode, <laughs> mm-hmm. off-putting. But boy, I found it refreshing to just see the show do something different, like mm-hmm. shake it up, have that emphasis yep. on like the sound effects mm-hmm. so much. And also do something. So we were speaking before the podcast about like I was reading some of my notes to you about the overuse of the device of the pop song at the end to kind of punctuate what June is feeling. Always Many times, with June looking down the yes. camera. 
cue me rolling my eyes. Um, Down the and, camera. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And I, w- I was annoyed by that and I thought it was cheap, overused, overdone, overcooked, all ugh, yuck. To I, the point where it's like parodying itself. Yeah, almost. I was like, this is laughable. Yeah. Um, but then they use it in this episode. It's like, oh, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. She has lost her goddamn mind. So her reference points, her synapses are firing off in a fucking bizarre way. And she's in a room and she's just hearing, you know, the beeps. Yeah. And the, the the song is brought in, and it's like, oh, well, that's a way to use it. That like, if you're gonna do it, that brings it back to reality for me, they, as opposed to a character in a TV show, knowing that she's a character in a fucking TV show, constantly smirking to herself to fucking you too. She went a step further though. Mm-hmm. She not only looked down the camera, mm-hmm. she spoke to the audience. She went fucking full <laughs> flea bag in there for a second. She did. I was just like. Fleabag June. Um, uh, I think we call it Liz McGuiring. Lizzie McGuiring. Sorry, you're right. <laughs> On this podcast, it's Lizzie McGuiring. <laughs> That's right. Um, the Ridge. Mm. The, yeah. No, no, no. I, I really, really appreciate the way that episode was put together. Mm-hmm. I thought it did a great job of, yeah, showing June's mindset, where she, how she got to just this, the lowest, lowest. It's crazy to think that this is the lowest point we've gotten June to somehow. Like, to me, the craziest thing of all was her putting her fucking hand in that sharp thing. Oh, the needle up the fucking fingernail. Ooh, I had some feelings about that one. Oh, awful. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, like, just seeing her fall apart. The part where Serena comes in, she attacks Serena. And even Serena, like, pretends that she just cut herself and not yep. Serena too. The conversation with the doctor was really interesting. How'd you feel about that? Necessary. Necessary? I was like, because one, we don't know his perspective and obviously he comes in quite pious and like mm. you know much of what he's saying is from like a theological perspective i was like okay we're not sure where his his um where he lies so even when she's having a conversation with him there are still things that's like i fundamentally disagree with what you're saying but mm. there is a truth there that june can latch on to well that's the thing is like he could and seems to be, you know, a religious man. Yes. Doesn't mean he agrees with everything. Doesn't mean he has lost his humanity. Yeah. Um, so, which is great to kind of have these characters who believe in the theology, but that does not sacrifice their humanity, which Th- is a good perspective to have. They actually, there was a thing they, I think they separated that a little bit better this season as well, with even things like the baptism stuff, like the mm. flashbacks to June and Luke baptizing yeah. Hannah and stuff like that. They would, it was interesting to, to pull back and go, like, we're not saying Christianity is, and people who, and Christians are bad inherently. Mm. It's this, the way it's used, the, the fundamentalism, you know, fundamentalism, etc. Yeah, people it, can be of faith, politics, yeah. yeah, and still be, um, yeah, and they're not evil people necessarily or whatever it might be. But sorry, go on yeah. about the Doctor. Um, so, it was great, yeah, to have that kind of like, oh, I don't know where he stands and just the simple conversation of living with purpose, mm-hmm. which is for, you know, many Christians, many people of faith, it is all about living with purpose. And so, her like the realisation that, oh, she's of course she's suicidal. Mm. Of course that is why she has been living this kind of frenetic crazed state of like doing whatever she has to which has been very frustrating for the audience and him acknowledging that being like oh you're still all the things you're doing point to the fact that you want to die yeah which is very clear to the audience being like 
if you do that, you're going to fucking die. Except she hadn't up at that point, which is the frustrating. Which was bit. annoying. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make much narrative sense. Yeah. Um. And so then, and then him just in a line, changing that point of view for her and be like refocusing her on something that expands the story yeah. as opposed to diminishing it, which was what was the Hannah story was doing. Gave for her a very purpose mu- For again. a huge amount of the season. Not just for this season. Well, yeah, but like... like last season ugh. was, again, there were multiple flashbacks mm. just proving how much June loved Hannah. It's like... We've, we get it. We had to move past that. Oh, one of the, like, hilarious criticisms of people's negative opinions about season two was the fact that, like, you know, obviously she stays behind, which mm-hmm. is a frustrating point for a lot of viewers me included and the argument was like oh if you're a mother you'd get it i'm like i'm sorry if you're making a show where your story doesn't make any sense unless you've given like birth to or have a fucking child it's probably like not clear or not a great story like like oh it makes sense if you're a mother i'm like no fuck it's just an annoying plot point that i don't like i just never had a problem with that because if she left Gilead, there wouldn't be much of a story. I just feel like... Oh, I understand that, like, why they do it. But I don't want to see the writers working sure, sure, to make sure, more sure. story. Yeah, no, you know that's what I mean? true too, yeah. definitely. Yeah, you should have to go. But yeah, <laughs> but I want more of this. That's right. Well, she can't make the decision because then there's no more show because that's so inauthentic. Yeah. Um, anyway, we move past the hospital episode, which I did like mm-hmm. a lot, and the sound design. Just they had men, men have, we've had fun with that one. And we get to sort of the final chunk of the season, I guess, at that point, which mm-hmm. ends up being this new direction June's found. She's going to get as many kids out of here as possible. Mm-hmm. She can't get Hannah 52. out. We're going to get all more in the end, it mm-hmm. seemed like, and get as many kids as we can out. I think Bruce Miller said there was about 164, I think. Is that kids? right? I think that's what I read. Wow, yeah. that's really, really cool. Um, and so, boy, was it nice to just have something proactive happening. Yes. And it doesn't all have to go great during this. It's not like everything has to go to plan. The rebels have no losses or anything like that. Like, of course, it's going to be hard. Of course, there's going to be consequences, all of those sorts mm. of things. But so often it's just felt like desperately clinging on to survival. This felt mm. just hopeful and... Yeah. And, oh. and while, like... Obviously, we know, really, we felt that, like, obviously, June isn't going to die until, like, she, you know, now that we know we've got 18 billion seasons, she's mm-hmm. probably not going to die in season three. But certainly with the nature of the show um, and the expectations that the writers have given us is that, like, things can go really wrong and so it will subvert your expectations whenever possible, right? Mm-hmm. So when they're putting this plan together at every step, I, you know, head in hands, just being like, oh, God, something terrible is going to happen. And it was oh, stressful. Yeah, I was, was like... This is going to go so this poorly. Is, this <laughs> is, yeah, exactly. This is going to go so poorly, yeah. which was gripping television to watch. Mm-hmm. I was hooked. Like, I watched the last four episodes, just like one after the other. I'm like, I can't stop now because I need to know. Yeah. I absolutely need to know, which was amazing. It was amazing. the best momentum the show has had in a long, long time. And the fact that it does the thing that I wanted it to do, even though I knew it wasn't going to do that, was... Pretty, it was a pretty great feeling. The fact that the kids get on the plane. Yeah. They arrive in Canada. Oh, my Fucking God. Victory. It was. And it was. I actually, I got teared up seeing those feeling. kids get off and like oh. Moira and Luke. And Luke looking for Hannah. I was and bawling. Like all that stuff. Yeah. I was bawling to the stage of like not only tears, but my nose was stuffed. Mm. I was crying. That whole episode, I was crying and crying and crying. I was just like, I needed the relief so badly. And when I got it, I was like 
thank not God because he doesn't exist, but thank you, writers. Mm-hmm. Mm, so good. In this, getting to this moment, though, I don't think we need, there's too much to break down there. And, like, mm. all this Holocaust imagery, we have the flashback to, like, the women being herded into different, like, fucking trucks and shit like that. Horrifying stuff. Same thing. Ugh, all yeah. them hiding in the basement, etc. Great imagery. Really mm. evocative stuff. We've seen it before in and stuff. Awesome. Beyond, as it's all going on, though, June has sort of turned this corner into trying to help the masses. Mm-hmm. But she's also become a fucking angel of death. <laughs> she yeah. kills three people, basically, in the last three episodes, starting with Commander, what's his face, SVU? Mm-hmm. Commander SVU, yeah. Commander SVU, as he will be known on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, had, and then getting to letting Eleanor die, doing... Yeah. Woo, what a moment. I was going to say a specific character who did something similar on a different TV show. I won't say it, but you know what I'm talking about. And then finally... Um, the killing the guards, shooting the guy uh, so in they the can get face, away. In the face, point blank. In the face. That was, that was a cool moment. And again, you knew it was coming. You strapped that gun into a boot. It's like, of course, it's going to happen. Yeah. I'm like, when's the gun coming back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do we feel about this, these choices? Um, mm. Well, it, it felt in line for me. So, like, June's, I guess, actions haven't or... Um, the, just the mode of being hasn't changed. So with Hannah, she was determined, fo- solely focused on this one thing. And it's just simply changed from one child, Hannah, to many. Mm-hmm. And so she still has that same point of view of like, I'll, well, i got to do whatever I have to do to get it done. Mm-hmm. Simply. And, and like there's this, obviously she talks about like ruthlessness. Sure. Which I don't think necessarily is what she's doing. I think it's just simple, like, blind determination. Absolute blind determination to get this thing done, to give her, like, her life, her experience, meaning. That's what she's doing, which is totally in line with what we have seen her doing for the last, what, one and a half, two seasons? Mm. Mm. The the bit with Command SVU mm. was a nice uh, flip on what has been... An ongoing horror in this show. Yes. Oh, thank God. Um, which I will. I do want to say though. Earlier, they had that awful sequence that mm. I thought was really well executed, though, where Commander SVU and the Waterfords come and like, oh, we want to make sure that you do the ceremony. Bear witness to the ceremony, mm. right? And it's like this is some of the more awful stuff we've seen this season, mm-hmm. but it's great because it's focused on how it's affecting our characters mm-hmm. who don't want to do this. And it didn't revel in the imagery of it. It no, didn't go anywhere agree. near it, in mm-hmm. fact. And mm-hmm. it made it, that was a relief and really well handled. And mm-hmm. like, I was I was like, that was yeah. worth having in here. And I, I think we got a twofer in that episode, which I really appreciate. It was like, one, we don't see it, mm-hmm. um, which is, thank God. But also we get that great moment at the end and June is downstairs. Yes. Fuck, I, fuck, I cheered yeah. so loud with this. Yeah. And fucking Fred walks up to her and he's like, oh, are you okay? And she just looks at him. She's like, yeah, I'm fine. At least it wasn't you. Yeah, that was And excellent. I fucking cheered so <laughs> loud. I was so happy with that. God damn. Like that's why like I really enjoyed like the last four episodes of this season because like, well, yes, the horrors still exist, but there were quite a few moments of like, 
fuck yeah, fuck yeah. This is victories. what I've been waiting for, which yeah. is like what I needed, which is why I'm glad to leave it here. Yeah, yeah because it, mm. oh, you're right. It's getting to these points where it's like, that's at this point with the way things are, that was lucky the last time that Fred and... Uh, June are going to see each other mm-hmm. for a long time, yes. likely. And so to have that be that last moment between them, yeah, you could just totally cut the season off there or the series off there and yeah, be happy with it. Perfect. Um, and then, sorry, then she has, yeah, so we've seen so many times of these men raping June and to, and she'd gone to that point where she'd like treat it like a job, treat it like a job. Mm-hmm. She turns around and she uh, uh, fights back, mm. kills the guy. Mm-hmm. Very enjoyable. Stabs him with a pen. Fuck you. Just, yeah. Death by like a thousand cuts. Love it. Listening to him like wheeze and mm. yeah. Uh, how your lungs, bitch. The mm. there was a lot of convenience around how that wrapped up. The Martha that comes oh. in, who's like, I remember you. You saved me from the cages. We'll deal with this. Like a winky dink. But it was also the first time in a long time I can remember where June or anyone doing something out of line actually was an advantage. Mm-hmm. Like that helped to. To take the heat off the fact the Waterfords are dis- oh, no sorry the Wards of Waterfords disappearing yeah. and him dying all happened simultaneously, which meant that they didn't come after them. Yes, that was the first time I can think of where luck has gone their way. Agreed, and I was like, oh, that's a nice change. That's just just yeah. for once, just to have mm-hmm. that. Yeah, be a that obviously luck if to that occur. thing happens too often, you're like, well, it's cheap. Sure. But the fact that it ha- it happened once, you're like, it's the first oh, time I can remember it. Oh, thank God! Like yeah. <laughs> it really did feel that way. Yeah. Um, then there's the Eleanor letting Eleanor overdose. Mm-hmm. That's the one I struggle with. It's probably the biggest for me. The biggest character moment for June all season mm. is that choice to let her die. Because while obviously she was a massive inconvenience, mm-hmm. she'd already once stuffed up one of June's plans and mm-hmm. trying to get to Hannah. She was like had her episode and then fucked that whole thing up. Mm. Though that was a dumb plan to begin with, June. The Letting her, a woman that I really thought she'd made at least some sort of connection with, mm. die. A, I struggled to understand, think that June had completely lost her, her humanity that much. But also strategically, when Joseph is the man that's going to get the trucks and keep the border open for you, basically. Mm. Do you really want him to be upset about his wife's death at that time? Did that feel like an advantage to have this man who cares so much about his wife in a broken state? It felt like a tactical error to me. Not just like the heartlessness of it, but it didn't feel like it was particularly well thought out from her either, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm. it certainly wasn't well thought out, but I can see the reasoning. I can see the reasoning. Yeah. But it's reactive though. It's not- Oh, it, it totally is reactive, mm. absolutely. But also, uh, yeah, it just goes back to what we've seen of June for the last season and a half. Her... Yeah, like blind determination about that thing. So this woman had already in front of two other wives spoken about trying to save kids. Yeah. Another moment, she's about to leave the fucking house and go and save some kids. She is a huge fucking problem. Totally. That yes, she like, but I also see the compassion in it as well. She would never actively harm that woman. Mm. This woman has fucking struggled, struggled in Gilead, lived a terrible life. She is, and in the last scene that we see with the three of them together, she's like, well, can we leave 
and live a life and really saying we can't because of the things that we what you have done and so in that moment this is a very painless way out it's a choice it's a choice that she made she made yeah, and she's like point. all right i'm just going to sit by and let it happen it it conveniences me yeah but also it's a choice you've made it's painless you die in your sleep and also yeah, I think like the um, Lawrence thing, yes, it is complicated, but having a man grieving, vulnerable, broken without his one support, his mm. one true support, I mean, you can, it's, you know, could be an opportunity to get in there and like, you know, yeah, get him I, to help you. I, I can definitely stand by the choice to let, Eleanor take her life. Mm. I do. I, I don't know. There's just so much to me about how much, how motivated uh, Joseph has been by Eleanor that not having her around anymore. I don't mm. know. I think they could I think when you've got plans that are hanging by thread as it is, that felt like it was a, mm. that was a big swing that could have gone yeah. very poorly for you. But sure. But also like, cause he has been seen as such like a rational person. Um, Obviously, when he like isn't rational, it's because he's bored and just wants a bit of like intrigue or interest in his life. Eleanor is his huge weakness. It's a huge weakness for him. So to eliminate that, I can see why June would be like, "What makes sense to do?" But isn't that the real truth behind it? Right? Like he puts like, yes, he has tried to use his intellect to sort of navigate his way through this. Awful situation that he's not just created, but it is in the middle of. Mm. And that's the point of like getting to that, having that, the witnessing the ceremony, right? Is is showing what the limit is for him mm-hmm. and where his heart truly lies and how much. Mm. We, always, we always understood to a degree how much he loved Eleanor, but maybe that was that mercy he shows by hiding her away and mm. like, I don't know. Yeah. It's complicated, right? It's re- like, it really complicated. Which is, which is what makes that character so intriguing. I really like, really like Lawrence. Such a great uh, element Lawrence. to the show. Great yeah. element to the show. Um, a different take. I love the conversation he has. I think it's episode two or three uh, where he's talking with June about like just morality in general mm. and like the complexities of it. And then tell you what, what a fucked up thing it was though to take her to that group of women who are going to be sent to yeah. away. The colonies. The colonies or whatever. Yeah. And then say, so you can get five of them. Mm. And I stood by. I stood by her when she said she wasn't going to choose any. Mm. But then the choice to choose five strategic women was very, very clever, and also showed his hand. I, I really liked that inclusion. I like that we put June in such a different place. He was a good character. Bradley Whitford did a great job. Yeah, Agreed. excellent. Uh, what else did you want to talk about? Talk about the Waterfords quickly. Maybe was there anything you said you were just bored by them in general this season? I think I became so Serena to me, and I think to most people is such a fascinating character. Mm-hmm. Um, so fucking complicated and Yvonne Strahovski. Sure. Um, sure. Is. You know a, how good I am with names. Yeah. yeah is like such a powerhouse and the performance she brings is like just incredible to watch mm-hmm. in every scene. Um, but I, I found that the, the decisions she made early on were very interesting to me. The constant like back and forth, I think, yeah, had diminishing returns. The amount of times that they played that hand. Yes. That made me go. This was well, Serena's wait, season what is, two. What is she doing? <laughs> what are we, well, why? Um, 
yeah, the and I think it was all yeah, some of the weakest storytelling in the season, like scenes like when she first comes to Canada and they have that meeting in the airport with Luke. Uh-huh. I'm like it wouldn't fucking happen. You know, it, it was just, that happens. I was so confused. Once they're arrested, seems- it's like, why do they keep letting these civilians near these extremely valuable political prisoners they have? Why do they keep Luke punches him? It seems like that's very, a bad thing. Yeah, it just seemed very like that was quite contrived to me that maybe like really took me out of the stakes of the show, the world, like. I was like, this is, I get that we want all of our players together, mm-hmm. but you got to commit to something. If they're arrested, detained, you know, going through depositions, you are not going to then expose them to, it, it was, it was, it was silly. It felt silly to me. It, I think, I think the frustration is, is all season. They, they, we get June out of there and get her mm. into a better story, but that means the Waterfords are out on their own. Mm. And like... All that we can do is have taken Serena to this point where she let uh, June take Nicole, right? And then we've got to backstep that and delay her progress until we get her to a point where she's made a deal, right? But the thing is, like, you don't even have to take all these steps. So, say, like, yeah, June is removed from the Waterfords. Mm -hmm. Great. Makes sense. Then, obviously... Um, Serena wants to be with Nicole mm-hmm. and through that is driven to betray Fred to get to Canada just to be to for the potential to be around Nicole. Mm-hmm. So we get there much sooner and then we get to spend more time in Canada with all of our players, including the Waterfords and what like a like war criminal trial looks like, what the, like the international community is doing about all of that stuff. Way more interesting I than mean- this. That's the bit that's, that gets me most excited for season four, mm. is I really am looking forward to how we deal with having the Waterfords in Canada and what yeah. that means. Because the politics side mm. of thing is getting more and more interesting. The international mm. politics of it all is getting more and more interesting. It's building to what I hope is, I think you said when we were talking in season two, or maybe Lauren did, the idea was that um, they would get to like the Nuremberg trial sort of thing. Mm. It feels like we're getting closer than mm. I the thought we The banality of evil study. Totally. Yeah. Mm. And- we're close, and it would have been great this season, but boy, it makes me look forward to next season if that's what we're going to get. That mm. that could be a lot of fun. You can watch it and let me know. And I, then I if, will. And then I might decide to watch it. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I uh, uh, Serena's just... It's, it's a little bit... She's always, for me, she's always fascinating to watch. I'm frustrated with what they have chosen to do with her this season. Yeah. I think she's a fascinating character, but frustrating the amount of flips she has to do in this season particularly like the actress to make like she really does huge amounts of heavy lifting to make every narratively convoluted scene seem emotionally true um there was a literal there was some really interesting foreshadowing that I liked with Serena at one stage mm-hmm. though there was a bit where, um, was it Lawrence? I think it was. Said, wouldn't it be funny if... No, it was, uh, sorry, June said to him, wouldn't it be funny if you turned out to be the hero? Mm. Cut to Serena standing in front of literal sliding doors. <laughs> At the end of that episode, <laughs> the Waterfords were captured mm. because of Serena's plan. It's like, 
it was it was literal like a sliding door moment and mm-hmm. like oh there it is I thought that was really funny I like recognized at the moment that it happened I was like wow I was <laughs> well done you uh, there was a bit with uh, Fred that confused me as well and mm. I don't know whether again this is just me picking this like I was seeing something that wasn't there was there some suggestion yes there was wasn't there mm-hmm. uh, what am I going to say no, no what, what was I going to say oh, that um, Commander SUV was gay right. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not just that, I thought there was a suggestion that he was gay with Joseph as well. Well, no, I thought the thing was Joseph wanting power, as obviously aligning himself with this man who has homosexual inclinations. Fred picks up on that, doesn't comment on it, and I thought it was leading then to perhaps the some sort of sexual thing happening between them that maybe Fred wasn't totally into, but that he felt that he had to do to progress his career. Right, right. I definitely thought that was like the path a Weinstein, could... Roger Ailes type situation. I could definitely knows. see them going in that direction with that. But there was a moment where uh, Commander's View was talking about Lawrence. He's like, oh, yeah, Joseph used to play su- uh, golf with him every Sunday after church. Always interesting times. And I was mm. like, Mm, I was, so I'm talking about like Fred and SUV. No, I know. I'm, oh yeah, I, sorry, yeah. Sorry, I was, yeah, take, yeah. but going back to like SUV oh, yes. and like mm. first, there's just the hint that like the way he touches Joseph. Mm. Oh, sorry, when they touches Fred when they're playing the pool, pool is the yeah. first suggestion of that, right? Mm-hmm. And then he said that bit about Joseph and like the thing was at that point Joseph Joseph was like asexual, right? Like we understood that he cared about Eleanor, but we didn't necessarily know how romantic that was. It could almost have no, been... No, I think the mixtapes tell us that he had a deep romantic love for his wife. Sure, okay. Mm. But it was, yeah, no good point. But I guess it was, there's such a care for her because she's unwell that it could have almost been in some ways like uh, a sisterly or a daughterly. Like a caretaker or like type. Caretaker of, type yeah. role. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden I was wondering like, was there something else going on between these two guys? Is this partly yeah. why he's not interested in like having kids or mm. why he's not interested in touching his handmaids and stuff like that? Um, I like the what we got. But it does feel like the Commander SUV thing was totally a complete dropped. red herring. Totally dropped. Cause, but, but also, I did have this thought. I'm like, I thought that was going... One, it was dropped because if you introduce that, then there should be a purpose to it. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, maybe he's bisexual because obviously with the June thing. Like, sure. I'm like, that's fine. You can have him be a bisexual character. But also, we still need to acknowledge the dynamic with him and Fred. Well, he's dead now. That's well, the thing that's, that's crazy. The, that's like, the thing. It's like, well, well, what was the point of those moments? It was it was definitely there, wasn't it? Did not imagine it. Did not imagine it. No, as soon as it happened, I'm like, oh, okay, that's what they're going to do with that character. Yeah. Which... Nothing happened. I kind of, again, the idea of like men in power mm-hmm. who are preaching a or trying to invoke a very particular yeah. rigid... A set of rules and doesn't follow themselves is yeah. always an interesting well, thing. Well, like when we saw Commander SUV at Jezebel's and he was like, oh, well, let's get, give him something to talk about. Yeah, I literally yeah. thought he was going to take June either to like make her have sex with another man and he watch or he had like something to do with another man in that yep. situation. It didn't happen. I was confused. Yep. Yeah. One character we haven't talked about yet at all, basically. Oh, no. Is Aunt Lydia. Mm. Who got finally... After mm. years of asking for it, an episode, a mm-hmm. flashback episode. How do you feel about Aunt Lydia this season and her flashback episode? Um, I wasn't that blown away by yeah, it. Yeah, I was a bit disappointed yeah. too. I was like, that's a bit simplistic, hey? Yeah, it yeah. just sort of like, oh, she's always been like this, 
Rel- Reactive. Re- yeah. Very religiously uh, rigid. Um, who has sort of been tempted and mm. then reacts violently, basically, yeah. to being pushed or any sort of like mm. breaking of the rules. And let's not be mistaken, like Anne Dowd is amazing and does such great work. But that episode, I think, was so like, come on. Like, we couldn't think of anything a bit more complex, nuanced from Aunt Lydia. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't didn't add anything for me. That's it. That's the problem. Because I actually think as an episode, I was looking at how the episode and the flashbacks were constructed. I was actually, this is really well written. Like, there's a lot that is demonstrated and not said. Mm. It's like a great exercise Mm -hmm. in like how to shorthand tell a story. We know um, when, when they're doing the Christmas thing and like... Uh, we know that she didn't have a job beforehand, but now she does because she's gone from working whatever it was to now selling makeup and like, mm. I know. And then like the whole New Year's thing, we didn't have to say it was New Year's party because it's a week later and it was Christmas. Like mm-hmm. there were all these like really just great little bits of like cohesive, s- tight storytelling, but the story just wasn't that interesting in the end. No, it wasn't. Like Andale did a great job. Everybody that was acting did a great job. It was well written. It just wasn't that Mm-hmm. Enlightening or fascinating, or it could have been so much more interesting than mm. that. In fact, I thought Unlydia had has gone back a step in complexity. I agree. I think I agree she's less that, yeah. interesting this season than she's been in previous seasons, mm-hmm. where she had a little bit more, I don't know, grey area to her and how she treats the handmaidens and mm-hmm. how she like is so strict on them, but also cares about them. And it's, I don't know, they've sort of stepped it back or forgot to. Nah, yeah, she's now on like. She's either one or ten. Yeah, yeah. All the time. Which they establish in like episode one or yeah. two where she starts to go a little bit nuts. But it's like, that's not interesting. No, no, no. It's, it's, she can be all those things at once mm-hmm. and that's what makes her terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Any side notes to mask? Um, most of them we've actually just happened upon during the discussion, but there was one moment that mm-hmm. was like a real fuck yeah moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when Moira brings in Nicole to meet Serena. Uh, I I may have just moved this into my own side. Oh, really? This is hilarious. <laughs> Go on. Yes. Yes. Um, it was so good. So obviously she comes in and she's like, you are a person that held down my friend while your husband raped her. I know who I am, but you, you are the gender traitor mm-hmm. as she gets pulled out. Oh, fuck yes, Moira. That was a great moment. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. That's not exactly the moment I had, but it's in the same scene. Yeah, okay. It's moments later. Yeah. And uh, Serena goes to pick up Nicole and Nicole's being all grizzly, doesn't want to be there. Mm. And the woman in the room, like the childcare worker or whatever, just says, just a little stranger anxiety. And I was like, yeah. oh, that fucking, that hurts. Serena yeah. is just cut to the yeah. core by that. But it just made me go, I don't think that social worker is very well trained. <laughs> There's no way you would say that. And yet, fine by me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was great. I was like, fuck you, bitch. Totally yeah. agree with that. But no, I love that moment from Moira. Yeah, that was excellent. Mm. I, again, just a Another good you example. You are the gender trait. I'm like, what? fucking oath. Yes. Why was there not more fucking Moira in this? Yeah. And just Canada in this season. Anyway, Rude. 
Uh, something that that does I always feels weird to me when it happens is mm. when there are just where there are pop pop culture references in the dialogue, which is a weird thing to say because it's not like mm. uh, Gilead all these people are completely removed mm. from pop culture, but it always feels odd. Like, like the when, Breaking Bad reference. Yeah, come yeah. on, Breaking Bad was a weird one. Or we're gonna need a bigger boat. It's like. Don't know. They just feel out of place for some reason. But I also think I it does. It can be a bit jarring. But I also think it's important to like refocus and be like, oh yeah, right. This is this is now. Sure. Mm. Uh, in episode two or three, um, the I think it was one of the Marthas was killed or whatever it was, mm. and June has to dig the grave. Mm-hmm. She didn't even fucking start. She didn't even look for a shovel. She just starts digging into the cold earth with her bare hands. You're a fucking moron, June. What are they like in Boston or something? So dumb. So just like ice dirt. That's a good idea. Ice dirt. Uh, there of all the interesting imagery and things that are well shot in this season, particularly in Washington D.C. with the Lincoln Memorial and blah blah blah. Mm. Did we really need? The Daenerys wing shot of Jude <laughs> in front of the angel wings. God damn, that was on the nose. I'm sorry. Have you seen all of the ending shots of every episode? Yes. They're all awesome. And I want to talk about that. Ooh. I kept track of the many faces of Jude this season. Gorgeous. As best I could. Can't say I've got all of them. I want you to recreate them as you say I'll tr- them. I'll, I'll, this would be great podcasting yeah. if I do that. <laughs> but I, I gave them all names, right? Yeah. So in episode three, we got a couple. Mm-hmm. We've got the Rage of June. She mm. stared down the camera and did Rage. Defiance of June. Uh, later on, we got Game Face of June, which is a wide camera stare while she's smoking. Mm. Uh, optimistic June, camera stare. Mm-hmm. June about to snap, camera stare. Zero fucks to give June, camera stare. Sadistic June, camera stare. Fleabag June, my favorite June. Yeah. And Angel of Death June, which mm. is like, right, like, that's when she's in the black yeah. as like, she's just killed a couple of, like, let... <laughs> Eleanor die and just all all the Elizabeth Moss faces ending mm. episodes, usually ending episodes, sometimes in the middle of episodes. One person who barely had a presence this season, Nick. And just like <laughs> shafted him real quick. Yep. Didn't yep. miss him. No. I have no comments about him because <laughs> boring. I had forgotten that Serena ordered Nick to impregnate June. Mm-hmm. Did we know that Joseph knew that? Uh, sorry, that Fred knew that? Um. Yeah, there. I believe in maybe season one or two. I can't remember now, but I think she alludes to the fact to Fred that he wasn't man enough to impregnate her. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah, I, I trust you on this one. Yeah. Least favorite and favorite episodes. What was your least favorite episode, Damask? Ooh, let's have a look here. I'm going with episode three, which is useful. So I didn't, I don't know, June choosing which women live or die, um, that happens. I'm like, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Serena goes to find souls with her mum. So that whole thing I was unsure of. So we have great moments. Obviously, the with her and her mum, those scenes are actually really interesting, mm-hmm. that, that dynamic. But Better explored in previous seasons. But yeah. Yes, but the... The point we get to with that, I'm not sure what we were doing really. We have a moment where she takes off her finger prosthetic and walks into oh, the sorry. ocean. Yep, yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, what? What? I wish I knew what the realization was. Really, um, it it seemed unclear to me. Um, she seems like sad and introspective. but yeah, it felt so insular that I wasn't quite sure. Sure, I. 
I think there's two. Yeah, actually, I quite like this episode because I think what was happening is mm. we sort of had a situation where we had both June and Serena were having sort of a similar thematic thing happen. June was being told by Lawrence, essentially, this is really simplistically, mm. that like you're too emotional. Women are too emotional mm. sort of thing. And then Classic. Serena was having a similar sort of thing from her mother. And so I think this is sort of the turning point where she was making the decision that like getting rid of uh, that Lady Nicole go was mm. bad. And this was her sort of start of the turn to like, I want Nicole yeah. back. See, I That's what that was. But yeah. in the moment, I agree I with you. I didn't get it. Yeah. Evocative imagery didn't mean a whole lot though. Yes. But I understand what you're saying. I d- yeah, I didn't get that realisation from her that she connected those dots because I didn't connect those dots through what I was seeing. Sure. So that episode was just like, it was fine, but it, yeah, fell a little flat for me, I think. Yeah. That was one of my early contenders for best episode of the season. Oh, so that's interesting. Go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my least favorite episode was episode seven, Under His Eye. Um, mm-hmm. So this is the episode uh, where um, the June has a stupid plan. I think it's the one where she goes. <laughs> Which to, one? Yeah, I think it's where she's going to go and get to Hannah, I think. Mm-hmm. I want to say, but maybe that's not right. We've With got Mrs. Lawrence. Yeah, I think yeah. so. But then off of Matthew was just really annoying at the start. That we have the whole hangings thing, which is a real return to misery porn. Well, oh, the hanging been... of the Martha. Yeah, the well, Marthas be... were hanging. No, the Marthas were hanging in the right. uh, street. I think is what it was. Oh, okay, yes. Um, and we're like, trying to figure out whether the Martha they knew was up there. The Martha martyrs. Yeah. The Martha martyrs and stuff like that. Yeah, I was just thinking that June gets away with a lot. Mm. Uh, the only positive for me that episode was that Fiona Apple played at the end, which I really like. That's a nice plus, yeah. <laughs> uh, favourite episode, Damask? Well, we've spoken about it already. It's episode nine, Heroic. It is the bottle episode. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said earlier, it, it felt like the writing in the ship for me it, for, at that point really was a saving grace that made me go, okay, I will finish the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so from that point on, I was way more invested in our heroine. Um, and like I said earlier, it used the pop music device, I think, in a really good way. And at mm. that point, I was so, like, cynical about that. So the fact that it used it in a way that made me go, oh, okay, that was a big leap for me. And, I, yeah, it just refocused the show and the protagonist. And it was absolutely necessary to save the season. Totally agree. It's not my favorite episode, but I it was up there for me as well. Favorite episode was actually episode 10, mm-hmm. Bear Witness, which is the very next episode. I think Ooh. that's part of Great a- Great character episode, that one. Yeah. It's just sort of a bit of, um, yeah, like you said, it refocused the season. It, it, episode 9 got us back on track. And then for me, episode 10 was like mm. propulsion to the next totally, part. Totally, yeah. So we had the forced ceremony scene, which was good scene, well-earned. It brought a new dimension to the horror of being familiar with. Mm-hmm. Really glad that they were smart enough to not feel like they had to show it. That's a restraint the show has not has really had. Mm-hmm. The least it wasn't you line was in there. Oh, so good. Um, it was exciting to see so, like they were proactive and organized. And just for me, it felt like the season was coming to focus. Same yeah. as what you felt about episode nine. Agreed. So definitely like the season was hitting its stride mm-hmm. in that point. Do you have any predictions, hopes, or concerns for next season? Uh, you don't want to watch it, so that maybe is a hard <laughs> question to ask. Um, uh, what are my predictions? I, I hope that June and those other handmaids that were carrying her off just straight up join the Underground Railroad. We don't go back to any kind of like 
normal society living. I think mm-hmm. that would be absolute fucking bullshit. We couldn't do it again. It felt like that way at the end of episode of season two. Mm. There's no, no I way. I fucking hope not. Like you said, I hope we do with like the Waterfords in Canada. A Nuremberg trial would be fucking great. We get out then more elements of Emily and Moira, which mm-hmm. would be fabulous. Um, yeah, if this season, if the next season moves more towards like the complexity of like international law and revolution as opposed to torture porn, I may be more interested in watching it. That's to me, it felt like that's what this season was was really about. It was us transitioning, to that, yeah. yeah, out of the individual horror horror experience into okay, so what does resistance Wider to this actually look like? Yeah. yeah, and so I agree with you exactly. It's what I've written is like June can't go back again. At best, she has to go underground. I do wonder, just as we're sitting here, maybe they keep talking about Chicago, like the resistance mm. to Chicago. So I kind of wonder whether it might be possible that somehow they got there and mm-hmm. got basically on the front line in some way. Not that they would be fighting on the front line, but mm. they could be useful. Part of the resistance, with yeah. The, yeah, as part of the resistance, as part of the Martha network and stuff like mm. that, trying to make blending in, understanding... Yeah. How it works, and, and we've seen the inside. June in the hub of like Lawrence's office, where they have those maps, they have all those detailed files and yeah. stuff. She's been exposed to all of that, like high level information, yep. which would be handy. Yeah, but I agree with you. The, the thing I'd pre-written before we even start the episode was this could have very easily be the end of the series, and it mm. would have felt pretty good. Even like even the stuff with Luke, like just having to come to terms with Hannah not coming home. Yeah, but knowing that the fight goes on, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There was just. I totally like, understand I, what you're saying. Yeah, and I just love the fact that, yeah, while Fred says to him, the woman you loved is gone, in that last moment he sees what the woman he loved is still capable of doing, which is, I thought was beautiful. We didn't talk about that, but I really did like the conversation that June had with Luke over the phone mm-hmm. and then the tape she sent him. Mm-hmm. And just as a way, because those characters have been separated for so long. So long. To just connect them briefly. Well, we never really see them together other than in flashbacks. Totally. Yeah. So just to just, because it, but both of them, like Luke has got a different life. She is still being stuck here for five years, whatever it is now. Just to let them come together in some small way mm. for a couple of minutes. was great. Was surprisingly powerful and, mm-hmm. and impactful, I thought. That was good. Yeah. I'm going to be there for season four. Because to, to me, it felt like the series is finally... It's rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. It's got a purpose again. Like June, yeah. it's it's transitioned out of whatever it was and it's moving into something that's more interesting. Mm-hmm. Does it can't guarantee it's going to be good? Yeah. But I'm interested enough to I'll see I'll let it. you watch see, like episode one and tell me what happens to June, where they're going, and then I'll figure it out. Okay. I want to watch it. Because I kind of feel like we could not promise to watch it, but I, I wonder whether... Okay, if I do that and then you watch episode one and see if you can feel like you can tolerate it, like yep. that's a possibility mm. too. Uh, we can also do it way after the fact once we know how the season turns out. And this is true. So if it's going to be just like torture <laughs> porn again, misery porn again, we can just go, no, we're not going to do that. Yep. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, and our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskymoo. M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next week, 
We should have a episode of Off-Topic Hot Topic for you. There's a lot to talk about there. A lot's been Mm -hmm. happening recently in the TV world. And uh, the week after that or soon after, we will have episodes on Fleabag Season 1 and Fleabag Season 2. As usual, we are right on the cusp of uh, this stuff coming out. Very timely. (laughs) Uh, We look forward to talking about that. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.